fortunate to have John Nettleton on today's podcast. Nettleton is the head boys coach at Mountain View and Meridian, and he led the Mavericks to the 2011 5A state title. If you're a high school head coach in Idaho, you probably received an email from Nettleton regarding the Idaho Basketball Coaches Alliance. He's here to talk a little bit about that and also his program. Coach Nettleton, thanks for talking some basketball with us. How's the new school year treating you? Well, thanks for having me on, and it's always fun to talk hoops. School year, is, it's been interesting. It's, it's been different. It's unique, but we're back. We're, we're in the classroom, and, and hopefully we're progressing towards in the classroom every day. But right now, uh, I'm just I'm happy and excited that I'm in the building with the kids. Yeah, same here. It's pretty interesting to hear what the different uh, school districts are doing throughout the state. And uh, we were kind of talking. I, I think oh, overall, though, it's uh, I'm happy to see the kids, and I think the kids are happy to see me. And it sounds like it's the same thing there at Mountain View. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. All right, so let's start talking some basketball. So last week, right. you sent out an email with a survey for basketball coaches using the name Idaho Basketball Coaches Alliance. I think that sound people heard was like basketball coaches cheering because, uh, you know, they're like, <laughs> hey, this is cool. Um, probably like a lot of question, uh, coaches, though, I've got uh, some questions related to kind of what you were thinking and what you're envisioning. So first of all, you know, kind of give us the genesis of the Idaho Basketball Coaches Alliance and, and uh, what, you know, you kind of envision with it. Well, it's, it's obviously in its infancy and, and it's just getting started. So hopefully as weeks turn into months and months turn into years, it progresses into uh, something that all of us envision for the state. And, and obviously I might be spearheading some of this. This is obviously going to kind of spread around the state and we're going to have more people uh, being involved with this uh, for sure down the road. But, you know, over the years, you know, I've been in Idaho now for uh, 16 plus years and each summer when you get to network and hang out with your other coaching buddies that you meet or you meet new ones at tournaments, conversations always turn to, Hey, you know, this is going on. Did you hear this? And uh, a lot of coaches always talked about, Hey, you know, why is this happening? How come we can't uh, have a voice in, in what's happening to our sport? And I think when you look at the IHSA as a whole, you know, they govern everything over the state. And I think with their board, it's probably very difficult to be sports specific because you're, you're painting everything with a big, broad paintbrush instead of the narrow focus that us coaches that are in basketball boys and girls, you know, this is what we care about. This, this is our sport. We want what's best for the, for, for our players, the student athletes. And I'd like to believe that as, as a group of coaches in the state, we have a pretty good uh, feel, you know, our, our, our heartbeats like the kids do in terms of all the concepts, the rules, the things are being implemented. And we, we have a pretty good idea of maybe how to attack some of these, ideas that are coming up or give maybe suggestions or even just give feedback to, Hey, this, this new concept rule policy, whatever you're proposing, I just don't know how that's going to work. Well, you know, maybe we could tweak it a little bit. And I think that's kind of where the conversation started. Uh, our goal really is just to be heard and help our game grow. Uh, we want it to grow in the right direction. We want it to help the student athlete first uh, and I just feel that as, as a group of coaches, we, we could create a really big voice 
and just make kind of the, the IHSA understand that, hey, there's a lot of people that care and we just want to help. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution and help everybody, you know, make our game greater and just improve it as much as we can. Yeah, and we'll get into some of those issues a little bit uh, later. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, they always talk about power in numbers. And I think, you know, when decisions are made uh, at, that affect uh, everybody in the state, um, I kind of understand the thought process that uh, things are going to filter through and they're going to get to athletic directors and, you know, principals and stuff like that. But it just seems like there's uh, definitely some things on the b basketball end that the coaches want. Um, but there's kind of a disconnect with uh, what's actually happening when the rules process comes through. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's the communication side of things. Like you said, it trickles down, which I get, but I feel it'd be nice to know about some of these new policies that they want to implement before, after, you know, after the fact is when we hear. And sometimes some of us don't even hear. And then all of a sudden we're told, this is what you're doing. It's like, well, when this happened, Oh, we voted on it three months ago. And, and, and so I think that communication just can get better, just like with everything. Uh, I think it can improve. And I think with, with our voice, just giving an opinion of why this won't work this way. How can we tweak it to make both you happy and the coaches happy, which then, in, you know, in turn makes the game better and it, it, it's positive for the, the student athlete. I think that's what we need. I think for me, um, during this pandemic, you know, obviously I've gotten to watch a lot of basketball clinics. I've started a podcast. There's all this kind of stuff that I've been able to do uh, related to basketball that probably I haven't had the chance to do before. I think one of them is kind of see what's going on in other states and just realizing that uh, there's some pretty powerful uh, state organizations when it mm -hmm. comes to uh, coaches and stuff like that. So, you know, it was something that I've been thinking about this summer that, hey, how great would this be for Idaho? I think it would really enhance things for both, uh, you know, the coaches and the players. And then also, I think the, the fans as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I just want to know what kind of why now for you? What was was there something that kind of said, hey, let's do this now? You know, I don't know if it was anything specific. Uh, I think it's just been more and more coaches are shooting me a text or I'm talking to him when I see him. And this kind of comes up a lot. And most recently I was talking with coach Harrington at Middleton and he brought up the proposal of no contact six weeks prior to the season. And I hadn't heard that. I'm like, what in the world? So of course, you know, I, I text Luke and my, my AD is awesome. He, he keeps me up to tabs on everything going on. And he said, yeah, I just heard about this. And he told me, his displeasure for the rule to him. It didn't make any sense. Me and Andy were talking about it and, and we just think we, we didn't think that it was a good thing for basketball for sure. And I think when the board probably talked about it, they were looking at every sport across the board mm -hmm. and maybe there's some situations that had come up or I don't know the reasoning for this discussion or why they want to propose it or it sounds like they've gotten a lot of pushback already. So they might just table it and not, you know, actually implemented at all. But uh, I guess it's just time, you know, at some point somebody has to do something. And the more that we talk about it, you know, we can sit here and complain, but until we actually try to do something, 
you know, nothing's going to get changed at all. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, too, just, uh, things like social media, it's just easier to, for me to be in Sandpoint and interview you and Meridian and talk about things like this. So, so yeah. that's kind of neat. Um, the main point of the email was kind of, you know, uh, a survey asking coaches their views on topics like, uh, instituting a shot clock or a restricted area along with what you just brought up that, uh, potential no, no contact period. So, um, can you explain um, how the survey process works? Like, uh, you know, obviously we gave you some feedback. What, what, what's going to happen with uh, that? How is it going to be used? Well, the, the survey process works pretty slick with the, the, the survey created in Microsoft Forms. All you have to do is click a link, do their little voting, and it sends it to me automatically. And then I can kind of compile the information. But it, you know, Microsoft Forms puts it into uh, a graph for you and kind of shows you the percentages and so forth. So it makes it really, really nice. Uh, I'm also going to be adding to when the next time I email out, which I already have the next survey created, but I'm going to be adding the staff of every uh, team. So initially I sent out the email and all the head coaches responded with that first survey. But my goal is uh, to have anyone on their staff whether it's the, the boys programs or the girls programs, which could mean, you know, initial five or six coaches possibly, depending on the size of the school and that. Uh, but, you know, th that brings us up to a possible thousand plus coaches now that uh, are going to have an opinion, which we'll be able to present, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But, you know, I think that the more voices we have uh, is going to help us out. And we have a hundred and, Oh, what is it? 149 girls and 149 boys coaches in the state. Uh, so you're looking close to 300. Then you add another uh, probably six to 800 in assistance and you know, you're over a thousand. And, and obviously, like you said before, numbers speak. And when you have a, a bigger voice that, that helps. So that, I'm going to add that to the next email. So coaches that uh, maybe watch us later on, they'll, they'll understand kind of what I'm talking about, but I'll explain it in the email too. Uh, in, in terms of uh, presenting the information, uh, I emailed uh, Ty Jones and basically asked him just to have a conversation with him with this platform that we've created now that we're able to give some feedback, maybe some information on what we would like to see down the road and just kind of start that dialogue. Ty's been awesome. Every time I've, had a conversation with Ty. He always listens. You know, I think he's got a, a really big job uh, in front of him when he's always trying to, you know, meet with this entire group of directors and they're trying to help with not just sports, but it's activities too. So it's athletic and activities. So they have a lot on their plate and I get that. I want to help or the coaches, we want to help make that job maybe a little bit easier, you know, and maybe take some of that work away from them or, uh, help them with it in terms of when some of these decisions that are made because I mean if you're honest if, if they're the board and they're making decisions they want people to agree with what they're you know implementing they don't want to always have somebody complaining and, and whatnot and I'm not saying that this survey process is going to be perfect you know but you're going to get a large percentage that are thinking the same wanting the same things and so on uh, I have some of the uh, stats from the first survey. If, I don't know if you wanted me to go over that. Oh, yeah. or, no, that was my, that was the next thing I was going to ask is what, uh, what are some of the results here? If you could share them. So right now 
couple of the things that I brought up, you hit everyone except for the rule of two yeah. uh, on the survey, but uh, 83% of the coaches in the state do not want the no contact six weeks prior to the season. All right, that's a pretty good percentage. Uh, 92% want a survey just dealing with a shot clock. <laughs> all right, so that, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. Uh, 93% want a survey that talks about the IHSA deciding to go with max preps to seed the state tournament. Uh, that was another reason kind of to start this this uh, group too. Uh, and to be honest, when I was starting the group, I was trying to think if there was a, an association already that was the Idaho Basketball Coaches Association. I knew there was different districts where we have representatives. And I know over the years we've had different things. And that's kind of why I went with uh, something besides association. I tried to come <laughs> up with another word that meant basically the same thing. So I didn't uh, maybe step on somebody's toes that already created it. But uh, I think some of these stats that, you know, I'm going to be reading off are, are pretty uh, one-sided. They, they, the, the coaches really want to be heard. 70% want to have a survey on the uh, restricted area circle. Uh, and then the rule of two, I had, I think I talked about it uh, in terms of uh, a write-in topic and that, but uh, a lot of coaches have commented on it. Yeah. Uh, and I know states around us, you were talking about, you, you looked into other states. Uh, I've looked at other state coaches association that relate specifically to basketball and there's a lot of good stuff out there. And so some of the stuff is going to be somewhat mirrored, copied, you know, implemented, or at least tried to, to set it up the same way. Uh, I have a couple friends that uh, Jeff Laminger uh, used to be in Southern Cal and he was part of the uh, CIF down there. And so he's giving me some good info on what they've done. They started theirs way back in the mid eighties uh, and, and got a lot of stuff implemented uh, with their uh, Southern Cal league there, which I think is, you know, a, a positive and it's something that's works and that's worked. Why not uh, try to implement it and use it, copy it. Yeah, for sure. I think, some of the other big questions that uh, coaches wanted to talk about besides the rule of two was uh, the 21 game schedule. There's always going to be coaches that want to have a few more games possibly, especially if you want to go out of state and play in some tournaments. Preseason tournaments are starting to be a little bit bigger thing than what they have in the past. And we're, we're kind of tied to our, con I mean, especially with the five ASIC and I know mm -hmm. other conferences, you have a little bit more flexibility, but you know, I've played 18 conference games in a season which is absolutely, it's a slugfest. We just beat on each other <laughs> and you don't have the opportunity to go anywhere. And now finally we've had a little bit of wiggle room over the years where teams have kind of gone up and down, you know, in, in our conference. And so, you know, I've gone to Utah, I've gone to, uh, to, to Oregon, you know, I've, I've played, uh, you know, on the Portland Trailblazers arena court for games. I've done it with a jazz and it, those are cool experiences. And I want my kids to have that opportunity when it's, when it's allowable and, and when we have the, the, the space in the schedule. So uh, I think adding, if you want, I don't think it needs to be mandated. It's kind of like now where you can play 20 or 21. If you get that three game tourney in. Yeah. And then the some just do 18. 18. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, some just do 18 and that's okay. I, I think it's hard to put everybody in the same box and just say, hey, you have to do this. Well, what happens if we're able to do this? You know, you know, can we do that? And so, you know, there's always going to be somebody pushing the envelope. Okay, we got 23 games. How about 25? You know, so that's still going to come up. But I think it's a good conversation to have. 
No, I agree. I agree. I think uh, all these things are just uh, really good conversations to have. Um, and I think what's important is that uh, I guess coaches feel like they can have that conversation because yes. I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just watch. Uh, it seems like it's every, uh, you know, every month or two months on uh, Twitter about the shot clock, you know, that comes up and it goes around nationwide. Like, Hey, we yeah. need to do this. And, and then it's uh, just usually a hard, hard no from, uh, from the state. Yeah. The shot clock is, is kind of a, touchy subject with me because me and two other coaches, uh, Jeff Sander from Meridian and uh, Coach Lundgren when he was at Valley View before he went to CSI, uh, we sat down with Ty and I had surveyed the entire state three years ago. Maybe it was four. I can't remember. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I, I surveyed the whole state and basically with all the information that I got back, uh, the percentage was so high. I mean, it was, it was like 98% 5A. It was like 97% 4A. And it just kept on, you know, as we went down, I don't think it got below 78% at any level, 2A, 3A, and, and so on. And I presented that to Ty along with the other coaches. Uh, we thought maybe that would be a starting point, but never really got to any kind of discussion that I heard of. I'm not saying it didn't get brought up, but I think it was probably talked about and then they just went on to the next topic. And those kind of conversations, you know, I, I like to have those change. So there's a little bit more maybe put into them, especially with the data that we're coming with, you know, from all the coaches in the state. And I know not everybody wants a shot clock in Idaho. I get that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the majority of us do. And the only thing that Ty or anyone really has ever said was, well, it costs too much. Well, there's always ways around that in, in what you can do in your communities. Uh, I actually had a contact on the east side of the state uh, with someone from Idaho Sports. He's the uh, AD at Ryrie now. Uh, yeah. Jeff. Oh, I can't think of Jeff's last name off the top of my head. I'll think of it in a second. But uh uh, he had a, a company out there lined up that possibly would help take care of the costs for the shot clocks in the whole state. You know, and obviously that's a large, that's a large amount of money and I'm sure he wanted to have a sponsorship name or something on it. But in my mind, who cares mm -hmm. if he's going to pay for it, then that would have been a great way. And we never even had that conversation. He wanted to talk to the board and we couldn't make it happen. So, you know, I want some of these opportunities to, to, to still be there for, you know, as coaches and with all the, the, the people that really want this, uh, I think somehow we need to be able to present it. Uh, and kind of the last question on this for me, because um, I want to talk a little bit about your program as well. But, uh, you know, so you talk to Ty, starting to get this information. You know, I think a lot of coaches are uh, excited about this, uh, provided you feedback. So what are kind of some of the next steps that you see happening? Well, you know, I, I said I talked to Ty. We emailed the other to, this morning, actually. And I'm probably going to give him a call and try to come up with a way for me and maybe a few other coaches to present just the concept of what we're trying to, to do and see what his feedback is to that, how receptive, you know, he is to that. Uh, I know on the board, there's really only one person and it's the boys 
I think coach's representative. Uh, I think he's uh, an AD at one of the smaller schools on the east side. I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, I think it's a 2A school or whatever. And I, I don't know exactly how the board works, but I believe they meet X amount of times during the year. And then during the year, they get emails on different things that pop up. Maybe there's a kid that's transferring and everybody's got to vote on whether he or she is allowed to have the hardship and, and whatnot. I, I think that's how it works. They might actually physically meet, you know, in the summer once, but I'm not sure how many times they physically meet. Uh, but it's got to be a few times during the year. Mm -hmm. Do you know more on that? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, I, I you know, I, I used to cover sports when I was a journalist and I, I think it's every three. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know, but I know every four a, months. Yeah. Every something three like months, that. Something yeah. Like yeah. That. So. Yeah. And, and that's kind of all I really know. You know, I don't really know what goes on in those meetings. I know sometimes our ADs are at them. I know sometimes uh, I think even journalists get into some of them or at least they're, privy to what's been discussed or talked about uh but uh how cool would it be to have a basketball coach uh represent uh representative in one of those meetings you know to be able yeah. to talk about hey here's the voice from every basketball coach in the state on this on that and that way you're not kind of having to have to have a middleman or they're just assuming this is what we like or want and uh and so on so i think I think it's good. I think it's a positive. It's, it's definitely in the, in the uh, infancy of, of starting it. And so we're going to have to learn a lot and uh, understand how this is maybe going to progress into something even bigger, but it's a good start. It's a start. No, for sure. Uh, I want to give you credit on that. And uh, you know, I know, like I said, I, I think there's some coaches excited. I'm excited about it. And, you know, besides, kind of having an organized voice. I also think uh, it might provide a good opportunity for more education for coaches out there, uh, yeah. more recognition, just some things like that, that, uh, you know, uh, would uh, strengthen or grow the game here in Idaho. So, yeah, totally agree. Um, so as I've mentioned before on other podcasts, I mentioned here, I actually worked as a sports reporter at the Idaho Press Tribune back when it was the Idaho Press Tribune, uh, uh, about a little more than a decade ago. And that's when I first started to, to know about you and, and what you were doing at uh, Mountain View. And, and so I wanted to ask you a few questions about, uh, about your program. And so um, one of the things that you've been able to do <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, make Mountain View uh, a, cons a consistent uh, contender for state. And you won that state championship in 2011 and have had several trips back to state since then. So, you know, uh, what's the secret to your success? I have really good kids. I have a really good staff. And uh, I think they all work hard. It's one of the probably the biggest things that I've taken away from being a player myself in high school and in college and maybe having to outwork other players in order to uh, have success. And it's kind of translated, you know, into my everyday life. And it's how I coach. You know, it's how I was raised, kind of a blue collar, Northern Wisconsin, uh, grew up in uh, a city that was a, an old shipping town where, you know, everybody was lunch pail, hard work. And, you know, that's how you get things done. And, uh, over the years, you know, that's kind of translated into how I coach. And it's probably one of my biggest uh, non-negotiables with players. And that is they have to give 100% effort like it's the last possession of a game type uh, uh, feel when they're on the floor. And like I said, you have to have good players. 
you know, I've had different uh, coaches on my staff over the years, but uh, they've always done a great job with the kids. I have a phenomenal administration and, and you know this just like other uh, coaches do. If you don't have a good administration that backs you up, that understands what you're trying to do and is in your corner, you're going to have a tough time. Uh, I was fortunate the first couple of years that I walked into Mountain View, we were, we were loaded. We had a lot of talent. And so the, the, the dubs wins came fast and furious in the first few years. Uh, but I didn't win my, I didn't, we didn't win a state championship till you know, 2011. I think I came in in Oh, Oh five. I think that's the first year I was there. Uh, and you know, administration in a lot of schools, you know, if you don't win within a couple of years, everybody starts grumbling and you never know if that coach is going to survive. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I went through, even though we had good years, you, you learn a lot of stuff, uh, how to deal with, you know, not just, uh, your kids and your staff, but parents and the community. And I love the community. There's a lot of things that, uh, I've, uh, started up to give back to, to the community, which I think is hugely important. Uh, and wins obviously are hugely important to your fan base and to your, your kids and that. Uh, but there's a lot of life lessons you learn sometimes when you don't win and how to handle yourself. But uh, I think all of those things have kind of helped our program uh, to be what it is today. All right. Uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed on your website was this idea of the four pillars in the building block. So, um, you know, I encourage coaches to go out and check out the Mountain View Boys uh, website. You can see this for yourself. But, you know, how did that kind of originate? What uh, what was kind of the thoughts behind that? And then how do you imp or how, how do you use that in practice and decisions that you're making and stuff like that? Well, like all good coaches, we steal from others. Uh, so this is not a new concept by any means, but good old John Wooden. Uh, you know, I think every coach has heard of the pyramid of success with him. And I kind of took that and tweaked it and, you know, added some of my own little things here and there. But, you know, obviously coaches can go and read us. I'm not just going to read verbatim what I have on there. But a couple things that I had on there is, is one, you know, doing the little things. And that's not just on the court. That's also in the classroom. It's also in the community. And then another one that's pretty big on there is just remembering that you represent your school, your community, your program, and yourself, uh, which is a, a pretty good life lesson because uh, people look at what you do sometimes before they even get to know you. And so your reputation sometimes precedes you without you even knowing. And uh, I think for a lot of kids, just like myself and probably yourself when you're a 15, 16 year old kid, sometimes those types of things you just don't uh, really process that well. So, you know, we're, we're, we, we try to help them understand that, you know, and there, there doesn't go a year or a season by where you're helping a kid out with something in class or with uh, at home that he's trying to get through or whatever the situation might be. And it's, it's not even basketball related. It's just life. So a lot of those, you know, the pillars relate to that some of the blocks, uh, playing as a team, you know, hustling, working on your game, do the best in school, be unselfish. Uh, it's not about, you know, your goal. It's about the common team goals. All those things are the unselflessness of yourself on being unselfish on the court and being as happy for your teammate when they succeed as if you are succeeding. And you try to teach the kids each and every day, in practice, whether you're 
teaching them how to show love to their teammate when they score or picking them off the floor and when they take a charge. Uh, we added a, a charge chain last year, so <laughs> something to celebrate with the kids that maybe do the the uncharted stat in terms of the uh, uh, the newspaper. Well, it used to be clippings. I know I'm old, but uh, it used to be in the newspaper. <laughs> I appreciate that. that. We used to clip out, but <laughs> but uh, now it's you know what do I post on social media? You know, with the kids after games, you know the kids that score the points, they still get some uh, some love, but we try to give the kids that are doing the stuff behind the scenes or maybe what goes unnoticed when parents are watching, uh, and so forth. As a newer head coach, I've got a question for you. Cause, uh, you know, you got like, uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, but like the Maverick club and you got sponsors and you got all kinds of, you know, honorary Mavericks and stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, as a, as a new coach, I'm trying, is it just a matter of just adding something each year and just slowly getting to, to the point where somebody like myself looks at that and goes, wow, there's a lot going on there. She'd ask my wife every year. She says, all right, what'd you add this year? Or I'll come home and say, I started something new. And she's like, oh, what'd you start this year? <laughs> so, no, it's, it's a process. It, it takes it takes time. You know, I think when I first came in, the only thing I started right away was the uh, Honorary Maverick Club uh, or program, not club, but program. Uh, and that was just something that I saw used by – uh, a coach in Caldwell for staff. He actually had staff come to a football game and get to stand uh, on the sideline. It was an honorary uh, coach and it was only a teacher that, that he chose. And I thought that was pretty cool because yeah. I got to go out there. It was, uh, you probably know the name Matt Strong. Oh, I was going to say, was it really? Matt? Oh yeah. A really good coach. Good guy at Caldwell uh, when I first came out and uh, he ran that program. And I was like, I think I could use that somehow. And I can't remember the process that I went through to come up with that specific uh, setup, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's one of the best programs that, that we have uh, for sure at Mountain View with the community. Uh, I let all those kids in for free with their whole family, anybody they want to bring. They sit on the bench. They get to help with warm-ups. At the end of the game, we take them in the locker room. They get a picture. We sign a basketball. They get a T-shirt. Oh, cool. I mean, it's, it's everything that – I would have loved to have when I was a kid that age. And I think that's one of the things when I first started coaching, especially when I started uh, Mountain View as being my program, I wanted to run it the way in which I would have wished maybe I would have had a chance when, when I was in school or when I was in elementary school and so forth, when it comes to some of the programs, but it's, it's fun. We, we put a spotlight on the kids oh, before the warmups and uh, they get to feel pretty cool. Oh, that is that is neat. Hey, um, you know, I, I, I want to do this tactfully, but, uh, you know, we all of a sudden become veterans kind of quicker than we think we become veterans. Uh, Does that mean I'm old? Is that what you're getting at? Or what, uh, what are you trying to say? No, no, I'm saying that uh, you have been coaching a little while there in the uh, Treasure <laughs> Valley. So, um, you know, I was just wondering, you know, what were some things that you believed as a younger coach that have kind of changed as, uh, as, as you've gotten older and, and have seen a lot more things and, and been, you know, are one of the deans of uh, the uh, coaches there at, uh, in the Treasure Valley? Well, you know, I think as a coach, you know, each year you try to get better. I mean, each day, to be honest, you try to get better. So you're always looking at things that you can do better, whether it's on the court, you know, specifically in practice or in games. 
I mean, there's, there's probably too many things to list that I've, you know, tweaked and changed uh, just because, okay, I tried this, but it didn't work the way I wanted and so forth. But I think one of the big things as a head coach was delegating to other coaches on my staff. And I remember being assistant coach, you know, I've been in coaching now for, oh, 26, almost 27 years and uh, only what, 16 of them as a head coach. So my first, you know, 10 or so as an assistant. And I remember those years and I had a great high school coach and he gave me my first job. I was a sophomore coach uh, back home in Wisconsin and uh, I learned a ton from him. And I remember I always felt nervous if I wanted to suggest something or if I wanted to, to give some, some ideas, you know, cause who am I? I'm a, I'm a 20 year old kid, 21 year old kid, you know, trying to just, you know, figure things out. I'm having fun. And I remember that. And so I wanted to make everybody on my staff feel that they have a say in stuff because it's not just me. It's, it's everybody that gives suggestions, uh, has great ideas. You know, there's a lot of people that are smarter than, than me and not just in basketball, but all kinds of things. And that's who you go to and you ask. And if you can surround yourself with, with smart people, it's going to make you uh, a better, you know, as a coach too. So I think delegation was one of the huge things. And then if you go with a strict basketball concept, uh, hardcore man-to-man uh, was taught that, played that all the way through through college. Uh, but I always had some zone that I sneaked in. And my, my old coach, <laughs> whenever I ran a 1-2-2 during the JV game, he'd be like, coach, played a lot of zone tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But I said, it looked good, didn't it, coach? <laughs> and so, you know, changing on defense – I switch more than I ever have before. And, and maybe that's a culmination of me uh, having to do that based on some of the personnel, the kids that I've had because of who we're playing. Uh, two years ago, we had a run towards the end of the year and made it to state when we were at the bottom of our conference. And I had a 5'4 kid guarding a 6'7 kid at times <laughs> in games. But you know what? Uh, I think it was – I think it was a Bobby Knight quote that I read that it, it's not the switch that hurts you. It's the open guy that hurts you. And so, you know, using a switch correctly. And I have a coach on staff, Terrence Green, uh, loves switching. And we went over a lot of stuff in the last year or so and, and implemented a little bit different defense than what I ran the first 14 years. And I had tried it before we really implemented it and it worked and, now it's just something that for how we're going to be playing with the group of guys that I have, uh, it just, it fits. And so I, I've always thought of don't put yourself just where you have to, I'm only going to do this. Now some coaches, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And, and it works for them. Uh, but I think I've always tried to leave a door open to, well, maybe I could try this, see if it works. So kind of speaking of that and uh, the approach of a new year, fingers, fingers crossed, of course, uh, as you're getting ready for tryouts and, and thinking about that first week, I mean, what, what, what's going through your mind right now, especially kind of considering um, the kids that you think are going to be there? Well, all things go according to plan. You know, we, we always have a two-day tryout. And so I let my assistants run tryouts in terms of how we're going to get through different drills. And, and I kind of navigate from gym to gym, you know, looking at all the kids. But, uh, you know, the first couple of days, just looking at all the players and evaluating, you know, as we 
get into the second day. And then of course, when you make your team and your, your cuts and whatnot, probably the worst day as a coach, yeah. you know, that we can all say, and there's so many kids that love the sport and w- would like to play. And we started a uh, intramural program through the Y for those kids at, at Mountain View. And I give them information on it. I say, Hey, get five, six buddies, come talk to me. And, and here's a place where you guys can still go play, which that's, that's what we want to do anyways. We want to just play. So not everybody can play on a team, especially in some of these bigger schools where there's just so many kids, but uh, you know, after tryouts are done uh, you know, our point of emphasis is always got to work hard. And you've heard me say this already a couple things or a couple times tonight. And uh, it's as soon as you step on the floor, you have to be playing as hard as you can. And I think that feeds into your culture and, and how you want your kids to to play on the floor and I'd like to believe any coach or any team I've ever played against that you know the coach is going to walk away at least and say you know what those kids played hard they might not have been the same level as us they might not have had as much talent as us uh, but man those kids play hard and I think that's a testament to the kids that they they buy in they understand that that's how you get things done and how you get better and how you win and and you, you learn from that but it has to start there I think the other thing that we try to get right away besides playing hard is playing for each other uh making sure that the uh, the ball doesn't stop it moves around uh making sure that the kids understand that uh you know there's 10 12 however many guys in your roster that matter and it's not just two or three guys and if you get your team leaders your your captains or whoever those personalities might be to have that type of mentality you, you never you never know what's going to happen in the team that I won state with my best player didn't even play the whole tournament. You know, Tyson Persfield messes up his knee in a freak accident and 20 points went right, right out the window for, for us, along with other various things that he brought to the table. Uh, and it's the uh, 10 year reunion. That's how old I am. It's already the 10 year reunion this year. And we'll have a little uh, get together, hopefully uh, during one of our games that we've set up. But uh, I think that team just epitomizes this concept of, you know, playing for each other. And I don't know if we would have won it with Tyson. I'd like to believe we would, but there's something to be said for a group of guys playing for somebody. And that entire team was playing for Tyson. Uh, I, I know that in my heart and it's, it's something that still gets me goosebumps right now and get a little teary eyed just because you know how those kids uh, felt going into those games. But uh, I think the last thing is, we always start off with defense because I think your offense always, at least to me, it seems like it always kind of follows your defense for us. Our defense creates our offense and you can always try and take care of a game. If you're not shooting well by playing defense, you're going to struggle sometimes from the floor on offense, but you can't struggle defensively. You you still have to have that. And I think that sets the tone uh, for the kids and, you know, some of that is from my old school coaching uh, and, and how I was, was raised and, and coached when I first started. And uh, all the coaches that I've had on staff are, have always bought into that. And some of them are just like me. You know, that's how they grew up. So uh, I think those three things, working hard, playing for each other, you know, your defense is, is where you start. Uh, huge emphasis, you know, the first few few days of practice for sure. All right. Well, what about – the staples on offense, what are they for Mountain View? To be honest, it usually depends on my personnel. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always, you know, run some type of a motion offense up until 
uh, kind of last year. Uh, I think things have changed a little bit with players today. Uh, I grew up in a, in a strict motion offense. We actually wrote, we ran the flex forever and that kind of put a sour uh, taste in my mouth at times because I ran it so much, but there's a lot of good things that come from the flex. I mean, you see it running the NBA still there's concepts of, of that flex screen and some of those cuts that they still, still use. And that's so that, I mean, that's not going to go away, but uh, I think spacing is huge. You need great spacing. You know, we run a, a four out now. I used to run a five out. I found that my spacing wasn't the greatest with five out at times because of the driving lanes and that. So we went back to a four. Granted, I do have a big guy. Uh, last year, Tyler was a junior. He'll be a senior this year, but, you know, he's 6'9". Uh, he weighs probably less than I do, but he's 6'9". <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we used him to lob to and dump besides kicking out to the three-point shooters and, I'd be lying if I said the three-point shot hasn't taken basketball like Storm. I'm not a huge fan of just, you know, chucking it 35 times, but uh, there's a lot of things that we will chart and, and help the kids with, but spacing is huge. Knowing your role. Uh, I think a lot of times in high school, it's hard to understand maybe what your role is, but we have meetings with the kids. You know, I try to tell them as nice as I can, hey, you know, everybody's allowed to shoot, but I want to explain where you're most successful from. And that's a hard concept for kids to understand because they want to shoot the three or they want to shoot some of these crazy shots and that that they practice. And, you know, I try to show them, hey, percentages, you're shooting 20% from here, but you're shooting 50% from there, you know, and try to make them understand that with film and stuff. Uh, understanding what a good shot is. I already kind of talked about that, but that's, that kind of falls into that knowing your role and then believing in your teammates, you know, making that extra pass. Uh, I think again, celebrating the success of your teammates as much as you celebrate yourself is, is a great, great attitude to have. And when you can find that in a lot of your kids, you're, you're going to have a good year. Uh, spacing is always, you know, something that comes up. So what are some things that you do to kind of, uh, teach that spacing and emphasize it with your kids? Well, you know, before when we ran a straight motion, uh, there were some specific spots, you know, on the floor and what you were trying to do to set your guy up. Now I'm finding myself telling kids, okay, you got to hang on a second. You got to wait for the guy to attack before you know where you're going to move and that. So there's a little bit more patience involved. And sometimes kids get so excited that they think they have to move somewhere when and that doesn't necessarily help what we're trying to do. So there are specific spots. Uh, my inside guy has an area that he's only allowed to move from based on where the ball goes. So he has a pretty easy idea of, of what to do. The four perimeter guys have their, their areas, their zones that they have to be in until a ball moves to a certain place and then they're allowed to move to another zone. And so we'll break it down and do half court type drills or split the court uh, into a third or whatever. And so you might have a, th a two on two game going on or a three on three game going on. And it's just a small sided type game you start to hear that more and more now in yeah. social media when they talk about the, the, those types of, breakdowns and practice and stuff but basically you're just allowing the kids to see less of the entire court you're breaking it down and just showing them one side of the floor and making it simpler and, and maybe easier to understand so that when you do put in the other players and it's going faster 
they can you know kind of go back to uh, those drills of what you did and hopefully that muscle memory and that that IQ you know allows them to be successful on the floor um, coach I really appreciate your time I got just a couple more yeah. questions for you so um, the get back on the defensive end with all the quality players that you have there in the Treasure Valley, especially in the 5A. And then also, you know, you're looking at teams that just have a bunch of good players. How do you uh, kind of go from game to game? I mean, are you, is it just what Mountain View does or are you going to make uh, some pretty big changes based on the different teams that you see? It's a good question. You know, I think we face a lot of really good competition. I'm not going to sit here and try to, you know, argue that, you know, the 5A SIC is the best conference in the state and, and whatnot. I mean, we have the most teams. You probably see some of the better talent across the board. Obviously, there's great talent across the state. But on a maybe a night in, night out, maybe it's a little bit more difficult, you know, just based on the population and that. But I try to worry about us more than the opponent. But that being said, we still have a scouting report. You know, if there's a kid averaging 27 points a game, I mean, that's going to come up. <laughs> and we're going to have to do something to stop him or just give him his points and make sure nobody else scores. I mean, we have to do something like that. Usually the second time you play a team, for sure, you have some adjustments. You know, just like you do at halftime, you'll have adjustments uh, for, you know, the game itself. We look at three main stats that I have charted that my assistants will mark down and I'll get it at halftime, and then I'll get it at the end of the game. And then the next day in practice, I tell the kids. Uh, I also actually tell them at the end of the game when I'm reading through it real quick uh, because we have a poster in our, in our locker room that keeps track of these three goals. So our first goal is we want to keep the opponent under 45 or 40% from the field. Uh, the second goal is we want to have less than 13 turnovers, so 12 or less basically. And then lastly, we want to shoot more free throws. So obviously the field goal percentage is just that we're playing good defense. We're, we're making them, you know, maybe not struggle, but have to work hard on offense. Uh, the turnovers is we don't want to give, be giving away possessions, of course. And then and lastly, the free throws usually mean that you're being more aggressive uh, and you're just, you're getting points from a different place besides, you know, in the half court, you're, you're getting some, some another place in which you can score from. And I've, I've charted this for nine years now. Uh, I didn't do it right when I started. So I, this is a question back to, to yeah. rookie coaches or whatever. You, you add little things here and there. And I picked this up somewhere. It could have been a coach's clinic in Vegas or something, but I, I picked it up somewhere. Uh, if we meet all three of those goals, we have a 94% win rate, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that we meet it all the time. Right. But right. whenever we have met it over the last nine years, 94% of the time we won. Uh, if we meet two, it's a 72% win rate. Uh, and again, I didn't chart it by which two, but two out of those three. Uh, I guess I could go back and look at those numbers, but uh, uh, that's for another day. If we meet only one out of the three, we have a 27% win rate. Wow. And then if it says zero, we meet nothing. In terms of those three goals, it's a uh, uh, almost a three percent win rate. So they they matter 
immensely. It's a huge thing. I talk to the kids and, you know, sometimes you wonder if they, you know, if they really understand. Uh, but we try to bring it up as much as we can and, and, and make them say, hey, you know, turnovers. We had 18 last night. That's not going to get it done. You know, you're giving them an extra, you know, what we want, six possessions, which could mean six to 18 points. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. So those are three big things that on the defensive end uh, we really look at and we try to help the kids with. Uh, we do we do one more that's called three stops in a row. Okay. And I, I got that again from another clinic. And our goal is to get five of those in a game which I know is only 15 stops, but it's, it's three of them in a row, three of them in a row, or, you know, maybe four. And what I've found is that if we can get over five, our percentage of winning is, is kind of like the, if we meet three of those other goals, it's like 90% chance of winning. It just means you're getting stops. It means you're playing really good defense. Uh, and sometimes in crunch time, you're just saying, you know, the kids are always young. We've got to get a stop. You know, that's just something that uh, they need to have in the back of their brains of, of, I think sometimes, especially in summer, somebody score, you know, scores on you. Oh, okay, I'll just go down and score myself instead of getting mad that somebody scored on you. You know, changing that that mentality and that that culture within your brain at times. Well, I think it's pretty cool because it gives a score to defense, and in, in some sense, you yeah. know, obviously there's the the scoreboard, but uh, on the other hand, uh, as you said, it, the kids become aware of this and they're counting yep. that, and, and you know, and they're trying to do what they can. Uh, to get those uh, get those stops. So, uh, last last question for you: What's the outlook for your team this year? Well, we're all six foot ten. Uh, <laughs> they can all shoot, and no, yeah. uh, I feel pretty excited. You know, I, I think every year I feel very optimistic, just like um, probably most coaches. You know, I always have in my brain, okay, we're gonna go fifteen and five this year. That's that's always in my mind. That's my minimum. Uh, okay, that's my goal. That's where we want to get. And uh, I really think we can get there and maybe even do better. Depends on, you know, how well we progress from, from our summer workouts. And this year is as different as any year we've ever had. You're going to see probably, you know, as coaches, as we know other kids in different uh, teams and that and programs that are coming back, you, you're going to be able to tell who actually got in the gym. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. maybe not going to be as different as it has in the past, but, you know, we were very inexperienced last year. Uh, I had only two seniors and both of those seniors on the team last year didn't start. So we were, we were really young. Uh, the inexperience, you know, caught up to us. Uh, we didn't make it to state, had a great time. The kids were awesome. Uh, we just didn't get a lot of wins. You know, it was one of those years where you kind of go through and try to figure out, you know, what's going to make us better for next year. Uh, the leadership from our point guard, uh, Noah White, uh, has been phenomenal this summer. He's taken that next step. And then there's a lot of kids that uh, are falling in after him. I had a good JV group. We won districts in, in our conference. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I think there's about five or six of those kids that, uh, you know, we'll have coming up uh, from that team. A uh, bunch of kids obviously returning from last year. I think there's – five or six at least uh, that are going to be coming back. Uh, I have one football kid this year, a couple kids in cross country and a few others. So, you know, depending on how their seasons go, depending on when they actually join us and that, but really good group of kids. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. You know, our goal, you know, really is to get back to state. Uh, you know, we, we've been, we've been at state 
since 2011, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times since 2011. Uh, and we want to get back there. And, you know, the goal for the kids always is to bring some hardware home just like everybody else. But uh, I think the, the journey there to the end of the season is just going to be a lot of fun. Hopeful okay. everything goes smooth, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited. As I've been telling my kids, each week that uh, we keep going with fall sports, you know, probably the better for us. Oh, yeah. We're starting to figure some things out and stuff like that. So, No, I, I definitely agree. And I know you said before in the first part of this, every district seems to be doing something different. And I get it because some of the smaller communities, you know, they just don't have the, the, the spread that uh, maybe some of the, the, the Valley schools have to deal with. So I don't know if there's a one fits all type uh, way to handle this. I've had a lot of coaches say, well, we need to have everybody on the same COVID uh, schedule set up, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, districts are never going to agree to that. You know, it's based on the CDH and it's based on whatever rubric slash, I don't know what they even use computer program, <laughs> who knows, but uh, uh, whatever process they go through, it's never going to be the same for Buell, Idaho and Meridian, Idaho. That's just, it isn't going to happen. So I think uh, if we can just learn from the fall, make good decisions, understand how to deal with this uh i'm hopeful we'll have a season yeah same here well coach i really appreciate it and uh you know it's uh like i said you've been on the list for somebody that i wanted to interview and uh, it's been uh, it's been fun to talk to you and uh, also i uh, just want to say you know that uh, really support what you're doing with the idaho basketball coaches alliance i think it's uh, a great first step i think uh uh, you know, if, if we can all get on kind of the same page, uh, as coaches, it's going to benefit the game greatly. So thanks for, uh, for, for sending that out, email out. I agree. And, and I'm a hope and I'm going to try to text, uh, the legend coach Kata here, and maybe he can be our <laughs> spokesperson. If I can get him to be the spokesperson on the, on the board of directors, that uh, that might go a long way. So, uh, the, the, one of my mentors when I first moved out here and, and got to meet uh, Coach Kata, uh, he'd definitely be a, a good guy to have uh, on the board or something. So I'm going to try to maybe turn his arm or bend his arm or whatever I got to do to maybe get his uh, some input for him too. Yeah. Hey, whatever I can do to get Carrie uh, on board, I'll do it. I don't know that he remembers me, but I remember late <laughs> Friday and Saturday nights taking phone calls from him because he was the only guy from Boise that would call his, uh, call his scores in out, uh, out in Nampa. So anyway, coach, I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you down the, talk to you down the road. All right. Well, thanks for doing this too. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck on your season also. Thanks for listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email me at idahobasketballcoachingpodcast at gmail.com.